This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Good evening. We're going to be opening with Shem a whole summer, so looking forward to seeing you during the summer. There's not much going on in New York during the summer, so if you're here, show up with Hashem. Okay, this, this, this week's Pasha is Pasha Shlach Lecha, which talks about the Maraglin, but we're going to go back a week. I don't think I was here last week. No, I was on my way from the ranch. And I hit crazy traffic, so I called Daphne, and then she called, um, he had a great speaker last week, but I didn't know that I wouldn't be here, otherwise we sent out an email who's going to speak, but I was supposed to speak. But we'll talk about the ranch a little bit tonight also. But before we talk about the ranch, let's talk a little bit about Pasha Bahaloisha, which was last week, okay? So, there's something very fascinating that happened last week. It's extremely, extremely hard to understand. Moshe Rabbeinu, who's the leader of Klai Yisrael, who always had it together, who was used to Klai Yisrael complaining all the time. Listen, I'm sure last week when you learned this, you were very upset about it. You figured I'd come and answer it, and then I wasn't here. Um, listen to what happens to him. So they come to Moshe Rabbeinu and they're complaining. What are they complaining? We remember the fish. That we used to eat in Mitzrayim for free. You hear? They used to have sushi in Mitzrayim. They had fish for free. Bagels and locks. The cucumbers. The watermelon. The leeks. I never knew what leeks were, but now they have when you go to any store and you want Shabbos to buy dips, they have leek dip. So I guess it's just some type of uh, vegetable. I think it grows from a little bulb on the bottom like an onion. Anyway, leeks. But Solomon Shumim, we remember the onions and the garlic. This is so ridiculous. They're eating mun, which is minashamayim, which you made a bracha. You didn't have to go to the bathroom because the mun had no waste in it. You're eating mun from Hashem, and it tastes like anything, and it fills you up, and you don't have to go to the bathroom, and what are you complaining about? Where are my onions? I miss my garlic and my leek. Where's my watermelon and my fish? Ridiculous. But it wasn't so ridiculous. We'll see soon why. Anyway, is this like the worst thing the Jews ever did? Worst thing the Jews ever did, they made an Egel. They they wanted to go back to Mitzrayim. They said, take us back to Mitzrayim when, when they saw war with the Plishtim. They complained in Mara there was no water. They, this is like the worst thing they, they did. We want to have our free fish. And something happens to Moshe Rabbeinu, our leader, who was very strong and very together, and he totally falls apart in last week's parasha. And the Torah tells us that he fell apart. Listen to what happens. He says, they say they want, they want food. They want food for free. And they're all crying to Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe damns to Hashem. And the fire, because Hashem was punishing them. There was a fire in the Machaneh. Because how could they complain after what they had? 
Pasik Dalit. Pasapsuf Ashibikirbo. And the the Egyptians that came that were amongst them, his Abu Taiva. They they were lusting. But Yeshua Yikhukamanesra and the Jews joined them and they cried. Who's gonna give us meat? We want meat. We want meat. We want to feel the steak, the fiber of the steak. We want to we want to we want to eat a rib steak off the bone. The one had no bone. It was not ribs, it was no bone. It tasted like meat, but no, I want to taste the bone. I want the oil on my lips. I want to rip the meat. About taiva. That's what they wanted. Okay? So what happens? Yishma Moshe's home, he heard Baicha. Moshe Rabbeinu heard them crying. Hashem Hashem became very angry. Moshe, and in the eyes of Moshe, which I'm going to tell you unbelievable Vatarat tonight. Moshe Ra. If I forget to tell you, remind me at the end to tell you what it means in Moshe Ra. In his eyes it was Ra, it was bad. It never talks like that. Okay? So here Moshe Rabbeinu says to Hashem, I am not Moshe Rabbeinu by a long shot. Sometimes you do feel like you can't handle it anymore. It's just too much. But that's, not Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't feel that way. Why have you mistreated your servant? He's talking about himself. How come you don't like me? Moshe is saying, Why are you doing this to me? How come you don't like me? You put the load of this whole nation on me? Never talk like that. He always defended them. But the good bays. Did I conceive this nation? Did I give birth to them? He, he's being a little bit, I'm not going to say chutzpah, because, but listen to what he's telling Hashem. Did I conceive these people? Did I give birth to these people? That you told me that I have to carry them in my, in my, in my bosom? Like a baby? Well, what, what do I have to carry these people for? I didn't give birth to these people. These are not my kids. God, come on. What are you doing to me? doesn't make any sense. Mainly basa, Hashem. Where am I supposed to get meat from these people? We'll say shlokola to all these people that are they're crying to me, give me meat. Lo, uchal, anoichi, levadi, l'seis, eskola omazeh. I am no longer able to carry this nation. He covered me many. They're just too heavy for me. And if you're going to make me continue being the leader of Klai Yisrael to carry them, you ready for this? This is so drastic. Hargeni not kill me. How you learn this puzzle last week and not go crazy? Kill me. Please. Hurry. Kill me. If you love me, Hashem, Kill me! I don't want to do this anymore. So I do not see all this bad and all this pain. What? 
happened here to our leader. He's saying to Hashem, these are not my kids. I didn't give birth to these kids. These are not my children. I'm not a woman. I don't need to nurse them or carry them. Like, why would you do such a bad thing to me? I want to die. Kill me now. We have to try to figure out Manashtana. Which have been totally unraveled. Kill me? What did they say that totally unraveled Moshe Rabbeinu? So Rashi asks, when, when they said that in Mitzrayim, we used to get food for free. Rashi says, the straw, the straw that they used to make the bricks, even that the Egyptians didn't give them for free. They had to go cut the straw. You think that you walked up to a fish store, a sushi store, or bagels and lox store and said, I'm a slave, I'm Jewish, can I have some food for free? You think they give it? Right? Of course they didn't give it to them for free. They didn't even give them straw for free. What are these Jews talking about? What are they making up stories? So Rashi explains that they weren't talking about money. It was saying that before we got the Torah... We didn't have to answer to anything that we did. Once you got the Torah, if you want to get food and you want to have a panasa, you have to give tzedakah, you have to give miser money. If you don't do the right thing, you're not going to get anything to eat. Everything's connected to the Torah. So they were saying that in Mitzrayim, we want to go back to Mitzrayim, because in Mitzrayim, we had no rules. We didn't have the Torah. You did whatever you wanted. You want to be bad? You got food anyway. Now you got to be good. Ask the Me'iri, what are they talking about? Now they have the mon. The mon they got for free. They didn't pay for it. And we know that the Rishaim, who were the, who were the worst two Jews in the Torah. Anyone here know? In, in the five, in the five, Hamisha Klumshay Torah. Were the two worst Jews. From the beginning of Shemos, Till the end, they did not stop doing Averis and bothering Moshe Rabbeinu. They didn't even leave Mitzrayim when everyone else left. Dasan va'aviram. They're in, they're in next week's Pasha with Korach. They were the two biggest Bisham that were in Klai And it says, when Hashem said, don't take out food, don't, don't go to get mun on Shabbos because there won't be any, that Dasan va'aviram took their mun from Friday and they put their mun out in the field and the birds came and ate it. So we see from here that Dasan Aviram, who were Rishayim, also got food. So we see that even after the Torah, when you got the one, everybody got it. So what were they complaining about? You hear the question? Their complaint was that it didn't matter. In Mitzrayim, it didn't matter whether you were a good person or not a good person. You got food, right? But over here we see that by the one, you, whether you're a good person or a bad person, you also got food. Dasan Aviram got one. So what were they complaining about? They were complaining about... It's so, it's so what I'm dealing with every day. It's not normal. They were complaining about that even though the mun, the worst guys got the mun, but it had rules. It had two rules. You weren't allowed to leave over the mun overnight. It became rotten. And on Friday, you had to pick double and not go on on Shabbos because you weren't going to get any mun. It had two rules. They said... We don't want any rules. 
even if you have two rules, too many rules. Our generation. No rules. I come home when I want. I get up when I want. I do what I want. And if you're going to have rules in the house, I'm running away and I'm not living here. No rules. Even if you're giving me money, you're giving me the most amazing thing in the world, Tati Mommy. Doesn't matter. I want it. No rules. And when I'm preparing the shear, I'm hearing in the back of my head. What am I hearing in the back of my head? We'll give you an iPhone. We'll give you an iPhone. Because the terrorists are all saying, Ma, Dad, if you don't give me an iPhone, <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm not going to keep Shabbos. I'm not going to wear a dress. I'm not going to, I'm not going to eat kosher. This is, this terrorism going on in, in our, with our children, right? So they terrorize you. It's like, right. So I'm hearing in my head, right? Okay, okay. I had it with a girl today. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. We're, we're, we're going to give you an iPhone, right? Walston. Because there was too much going on that you have to know where your battles are. All right, we're going to give you an iPhone. Am I going to get everything on the iPhone? I'm like, I can't give you everything. Because I'm going to get it filtered. But I'm going to give you texting. She's going to get it anyway. And I'm going to give you voice. And I know all your friends are on WhatsApp and you have a school WhatsApp. Even though I'm so against this, I'm going to let you have WhatsApp. WhatsApp, texting, and, and, and what to call it. And voice. No deal. No deal. I have to have, what's it called, Instagram? Instagram. I have to have Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. I'm like, I'm giving you an iPhone. For for me, it's like giving you a, 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 a if I'm making a mistake here, who knows when you're going to end up. It's going to be my fault. I'm like, I'm giving you all this. I'm just telling you. Just, you know, the, I understand the WhatsApp. I know the social pressure and your friends you want to know what's going on. The group has a WhatsApp and the house has a WhatsApp and the family has a WhatsApp and everybody has a WhatsApp. And there's a WhatsApp, even all the cats on your on your street have a WhatsApp. You know, you want to make sure that you know where each cat is. At. I'm like, WhatsApp isn't where it's at. If you don't have WhatsApp, you don't exist. I pretty much don't exist. So I'm like, this is exactly this week's fire show. It's like, we'll give you the money. You got it. You want it? We got it. Tastes like anything. You have to go to the bathroom. It's from Hashem. It's, it's not normal what the man was. We'll give it to you. Just do two little rules. You can't leave it overnight it's until the next morning. And you can't go collect it on Shabbos because it won't be there. No! No, I don't want it! We don't want it! Mom's like the iPhone. No! We don't have Instagram! No! No deal. Nothing's changed. Just man and, 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 and technology. It's, uh, but nothing has changed. It's like Hashem is like, I'm giving them everything. And I asked them for two. No, we want freedom. Freedom. If you're going to give me a phone, no filters. It's that or nothing. I'm looking at this kid. I'm like, oh my God, I just gave you everything. And no, you're throwing it back in my face. This is exactly what happened over here. And then you know what? You feel like at that point, God, I can't do this anymore. I'm not saying kill me. But I, I don't, I can't do it. I can't. You give the kid everything. You break who you stand for, for this girl. And, and, and I want everything. Nothing's changed. So, huge coffee type. Huge coffee type. Because Baruchu gave you man, and you're throwing it back in his face. I don't want your man. 
I want a steak on a T-bone. I'm not interested in your money. That's Ra. Shabano said, I don't mind. And, and you know, I have a lot of people that I work with, whether they're the therapists or teachers. The hardest thing with working with these kids is that you give them everything and a thank you or like, you know, that was very nice what you did for me would mean so much to the person who's helping them and instead they're like, yeah, but you didn't do this. You're like, what? What are you saying? Yeah, but you didn't do this. But I did everything else. I gave you my whole life. To, I had nothing to do with my family. I gave you hours and hours and hours of my life, of my guts, of my time, of my sleep. I gave you everything. I know, but you didn't do this. You're like, you don't, want, you don't want to do it anymore. You don't want to help people anymore. They don't have a curse at all. You just don't want to do it. It's just like, you know what? I'll go to my room. I'll sit and learn. Leave me alone. Because when someone's a coffee type, it just hurts. I mean, I, I can't imagine how God feels. He gives us life. He gives us all that stuff. And we're like, eh, but you didn't give me this. Same thing. I'm not any better. I'm not saying I'm any better. Same thing. Same gives you life and this, and you can see, and you can hear, but you got, you got all kinds, you, you open up, you, you, you didn't give me this, and the shit, and you that, that. The same way. Like, but I gave you so much. But like, so, so, Moshe Rabbeinu, it became too hard, too, it's too much to carry. When you're continuously helping people, and you don't even, you don't need a thank you. Don't thank me. Just don't give me agita. You know, no good, no good deed goes unpunished. Don't, don't punish me for helping you. And you know, when you do the biggest favor for someone, you know that person's going to hurt you more than anyone else. It's just the human thing. I don't know why. But over here, Moshe Ben is like, I can carry them. The Egel, the Egel wasn't a lack of a Tov. They didn't know who Moshe Rabbeinu was. They thought you have to have something in between. They made a bad decision. They served up by the Zara. They got punished. But it wasn't Kofi Toiv. Made a mistake. When they came tomorrow and they didn't have water and they thought they were going to die of thirst and they started complaining, take us back to Mitzrayim, that wasn't a Kofi Toiv. It wasn't an ingrate. They, they wanted water. When they saw the Plishtim and they said, oh my God, we're in trouble and why go back to Mitzrayim, it wasn't a Kofi Tov. Even now, this week's Pasha. I hope we'll have time to talk about it. They, they, didn't, they weren't a Kofi Tov, the Maraglim. They, they weren't a Kofi Tov. They were, they made a decision and they came back. They didn't even lie. They didn't lie. They said, we saw the giants. We saw a lot of people being buried because Eov, in those days, the Canaan believed that you didn't bury your dead until a very great man died. And then if a great man died, you took all your dead from all the years and that's when you buried them. The day that the Moraglin went in, it's an interesting thing, because it is a little kafri tov. The day that the Moraglin, when they went into Eretz Yisrael to see what's going on, Hashem didn't want that the Canaanim would see the Jews, that they're spies. So Hashem, Eov died that day. Eov was the leader of Canaan at that time, so according to Waman Yamar. So when he died, they all took out all their dead people from the last who knows how many years, and they made, and they made funerals, because when the, when the head of their nation dies... Everyone gets buried together. Whoever died for the last, who knows how many years. So the Jews came. Wherever you went, there was a funeral. Next block, funeral. Next block, another coffin. Next block, another coffin. Next block, another coffin. Why did Hashem do that? Because they were so busy with their dead that the Jews were walking around spying. Nobody saw them. And what did they do? They came back and they told the Jews, Oh my God, this country. Oh no. It eats its people. Everyone's dying. 
So I don't know that they realized that Hashem did it to help them. So I'm not sure we can say that they were a kafei type. They saw everybody dying. They didn't maybe didn't know why Hashem did it. But they came back and they said, everybody's dying. And they said, there were giants. Another Dvatar, which you never heard before. There were giants and the fruit and this and that. And the, and the people are strong. They, 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 they weren't a kafei toiv. They made a big, bad mistake in their judgment. Here was the place where they were a kafei toiv. They got one and they turned around and said, where's our fish? Where's my watermelon? Where's my T-bone steak that I can taste in my... And Hashem said, that's Ra. These people are Ra. So the person who's a Kofi Tov, there's no potential for growth. There's no potential to do tshuva. A person who's an ingrate is not a person that, that any, anything can grow from. We see from Adam, when he said, my wife that you gave me Hashem, Rashi says that he was a Kofi Tov, and then he calls him Afar. You're dust. From dust, nothing grows. Adama, which is an Adam, Adama, the power of an Adam is, is the potential that's going to grow from him. Dust, nothing grows in dust. Dust just makes things dull. When he said that Hashem, the woman who you gave me, so he threw back, the, you gave me this woman, so it's your fault, Hashem. Hashem said, may offer you're going to come from dust, you're going to go to dust. You're dust. You're not an Adam anymore. So over here, that's what happened. And all of a sudden, Moshe Rabbeinu said, I can't carry them. I cannot carry them. It's much too heavy to deal with a whole nation that are ingrates, that are kafei tayyab. Hashem, why did you do this to me? Eagle I can handle. Mara I can handle. Going back to the tribe I can handle. Korach I can handle. Meraglim I can handle. I can handle all this. But a nation of ingrates? That's standing here and saying, I want, I want my fish back? I can't see it. There's another amazing Zvatar on this. It's something that, I, that I've been talking about my whole, since I started giving shiurim, and everybody knows that I talk about this all the time, and actually this week I think it saved somebody's life. It's a beautiful pshat. I believe this pshat is I think it's from the Me'iri. He says the following. And it fits right into the Pasuk. What we go through in life, and I talk about this all the time, the, the struggles that we go through in life, whatever we go through that's painful, the reason that we go through it is to give us struggle muscle in order to help others that have gone through the same thing we've gone through. Now, if you look in the Pasuk, he says... He says he doesn't understand... In the eyes of Moshe, it was bad. And then he ends up, if you did this, kill me. What does that mean, So I think it's the meaning that says that Moshe Rabbeinu never had a taiva for food. He was in Shemayim for 40 days. He said to Hashem, I can't carry them anymore because their complaint here, I don't understand. And for someone to help someone else, they have to experience the other person's pain. I was in Shemayim for 40 days. I didn't eat anything. 
I am not interested in fish, watermelon, and onions, and cucumbers. I have no time for that. And therefore, if they're coming to me with a complaint that they want to eat fish and watermelon, I don't understand them. And if I don't understand them, I cannot help them. And if I cannot help them, I cannot be their leader. So we can't have two leaders at one time. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you have to kill me. Because I don't see the raw. I don't see the bad. I don't see what they see. I don't understand why a bunch of Jews want watermelon when they have mun. I cannot help them. It's a beautiful shot. That's what I talk about it all the time. Whatever you go through, you're, 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 you're from a divorced family, you can help divorced kids. Someone lost a parent, you can help someone lost a parent. Someone went through cancer, they can help someone who went through cancer. Whatever a person goes through in their life, they have the ability to help others. Moshe Benu said, I never went through this. I don't need food. It's not a thing for me. It's not a typhoon for me. Therefore, I don't know how to help you. I don't know how to help them. Therefore, I can't carry them anymore. I'm the wrong guy. You know the story I told you, the story with the little girl that, you know, I went and spoke to a bunch of orphans. And, and, and um, there were like 20, 32 girls there, ages 6 to 16. And I gave this whole speech. Moshe Rabbeinu went through tons of time. And Yosef and Dove, I gave a very, an unbelievable speech. And she looks up at me and she says, Rabbi Wallerstein, did you have a mommy when you were 7? She was 7 years old. Did you, have a, did you have a mommy when you were 7? I said, I did. She said, do you still have a mommy? I said, I do. And they all left me. They, in, in two minutes, they were all in the kitchen eating. The older ones went to do their homework. And my whole crowd, my whole chaver that I had flying, I lost them in two minutes. Why? What are you talking to us, Rabbi? You had a mommy. I don't have a mommy. What do you understand? I'm seven years old. My name is, my, my name is Devairi. And you're giving me a whole speech about Moshe Rabbeinu? I don't have a mommy. You had a mommy. What are you talking to me for? She wasn't in chutzpah to say that. She just got up and turned around and walked out. And all her friends went with her. What, am, what, what, are you, what are you talking about, Rabbi? You didn't go through what I went through. I, you, I went home to my mother. I asked her, I asked her, I said, Ma, this little girl asked me if I uh, had a mommy when I was seven. And in my head, I was like, I wish I could tell her that you died at childbirth. So, you know, I never had a mommy. Then she would be like, yay, I can be back around Wallstein. He never had a mommy. I had one for seven years. I said, Ma, I'm so sorry I had that thought. And then when she asked me, is your mother still alive? I was like, Ma, if you would have died, I could have said, you're not alive. She would have been so happy. But then she could say, right, Wallace, he doesn't have a mommy. I don't have a mommy. I could be like him. So I said, Ma, I really didn't want you to die, but just for the speech, it would have worked out very well. And she said, you're crazy. And she was, Michael, me, it's not the first time. When Shabbat said, I can't help them. Hashem, I can't help them. Watermelon? Cucumbers? Meat? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand that. I don't understand why someone would even want that. He says, so I can't be the leader anymore. You can't have two leaders at one time. Hashem, kill me. Just get rid of me. Put someone else in who understands them. So this week, I got a phone call from a a hospital for eating disorders. And they asked me if they give a girl on a a certain day, if they give her a release to go out for a few hours, they're out of state. Um, when I meet with her, I was like, very, wow. You know, because they don't ever let eating disorder girls leave the hospital. They just don't. If they do, they'll lead them to go to another hospital or to another therapist. But to go to a rabbi, that's unheard of. So I was like, she said she wants to meet with you. 
and last week you called her, and she was just a different girl after you called her. So we think it would help with the therapy. If you would see her, we're going to give her a, a waiver. Would you see her? I'm like, sure. So she comes to meet with me. Extremely, extremely anorexic. Very, very, very thin. I'm like, wow, I'm so honored that you felt that you come to me that, you know, that would be good for you. Thank you very much. And we start talking about her therapy and what's going on and what they're doing. And I said, you know what? I think that if you do another three, four weeks in this house, in this place, you'll be ready for the ranch. And then you come to the ranch. We'll keep you for a year. And between the horses and now we have little ducks and we have little chickens. Very cute. Um, very therapeutic. I, I, I need help. Because like when I open the door, we have these little chickens and ducks. You know, they come in the mail. It's pretty crazy stuff. They come in the mail. Little thing. Yeah, they come by mail. I don't understand. Anyway, so the, so the, 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 the farmer that we have, Avi, who lives on the premises, so he's got ducks and these chickens. And he's got probably 30 chickens and like 12 little duckies, little teeny guys. And um, I, I was like, I couldn't leave the room. I'm like, Walston, you really need therapy. So you just sit there and you watch them. They're little teeny guys. I know they're going to be a lot bigger, right? So they tell me that duck eggs are bigger than chicken eggs. And all these girls, the girls up there, that's what they're going to be dealing with. Ducks and chickens and horses. And my favorite horse came or whatever. I had a good time. Anyway, I have to go more often. So I said to her, you know, uh, then you'll come to the ranch. We'll do th- three months, nine months, whatever it is, till you're better. She looks at me and she goes, not going to the ranch, Rabbi. I'm like, why not? It's, the money, don't worry, I, I, we'll talk. She goes, no, no. I don't want to get better. I'm like, what? I don't want to get better. I want out. I'm in a hospital, but I want out. I don't want to get better. My life is so painful and so miserable. I don't want to get better. I'm not coming to your ranch. I am actually scared to get better. Because if I get better, then I have to come back into the world. And the world's a very scary place. And if I'm in a hospital, I'm in a protective place. And I don't want to get better. First time somebody ever told me that. I just don't want to get better. So, so why are you here? I just wanted to talk to you. But don't make me better. I was like, oh my gosh, I never met a girl that said, I don't want to get better. Everyone's like, I'll try, maybe I won't make it, maybe I'll relapse. But straight up, I don't want to get better. I'm like, what am I going to tell her? She, she has a plan in her head that she doesn't want to get better. i got to change this plan. So when she gets out of the hospital, something really bad might happen. She doesn't want to get better. It's not a good thing. And I'm thinking, like, what can I tell her? I said, listen to me very carefully. I said, look at me when I'm talking to you and listen to me very carefully. I have never met a girl, and I've met thousands in your situation. She's physically very not well. I said, I never met a girl who said, Red Wallace, I don't want to get better. I said, so I'm going to tell you why you need to get better. And she goes, there's nothing you can say that's going to make me better. I'm like, can I tell you what I want to say? She goes, yeah. Because I never met someone so sick, if you turn around and come out of this in one piece and make a life for yourself, you will be the biggest superstar 
in healing and anorexic girls. Because you'll be able to show them your charts. This hospital, this hospital, I weighed 70 pounds and I'm 20 years old. You'll show them pictures. You'll be, you'll be able to go to the worst eating disorder girls and stand in front of them and say, here's my picture of my kid. Here's my husband. I'm at a normal weight. I have a degree, whatever it is, speech or whatever, OT. I said, there's no one ever that I met that's as sick as you. So you, because you're so far down, if you turn around and go up, you will be the most powerful speaker, therapist, teacher for girls with eating disorders. I don't know if I can find someone like you again. Because everybody wants to get better. You don't even want to get better. And you're going to get up in front of that class and say, I told Rabbi Wallace in his face, I don't want to get better. And they're going to be like, oh, wow, we, you know, that, that thought's crossed my mind. I say, you have a kayak because you're so deep. And you're such a bad place. You have a kayak. If you come out of the 50th level, you'll be on the 50th level. Never thought of it that way, Rabbi. I'm like, you think about this. You've got to get healthy. I need you on my ranch. I don't care what it takes. I need you on my ranch. I need you getting healthy. I said, and if you think I like you, if you think I'm doing this because I'm a tzaddik, or I like you, I'm not a tzaddik, and I don't really know you, so I can't say I like you. I said, so why do you think I'm doing this? Why am I meeting you? Why am I doing this? What do I care if you want to get better or not? What do I care? I said, because I'm selfish. What? She's looking at me like I'm totally nuts. I said, you don't know how selfish I am. She goes, Rabbi Wallace, you're not selfish. I'm like, I am so selfish. You see, I'm going to use you. I am going to use you. You, I'm going to send... Instead of me going to talking to girls, which I can't really talk to them because definitely not have any eating disorder if you look at me, right? That's for sure not happening. So, so I can't talk to these kids, I said. But you, if you get better, I am going to mold you and you're going to work for me. And you're going to help me so that I don't have to fly all over the place. You're going to fly all over the place. I'm like, this is just about selfish. I don't, I'm not a good guy. I'm going to use you. She wasn't ready for that. <laughs> and Amit Hashem, one day she's going to help a lot of people. Because she's going through hell. And she's going to come out of the fire. You know, gold comes out of the fire much shinier than before it goes into the fire. She's going to come out of the fire and she's going to be amazing. When Shabbenu, in this week's parsha says, last week's parsha says, I can't help people that have a taiva and these people, what they're doing. I don't understand them. Watermelon is meaningless. Fish is meaningless. I was 40 days. I didn't even have a drop of water. Hashem, I don't belong here. I'm the wrong therapist for this nation. I no longer can carry them. I am not the one who went through what these people have. So when a person is going through hard times... You got to go inside yourself. Like I told this girl, because you're so far and so deep, if you make it out, you have a strength that nobody has. That Moshe Beno doesn't have. He said, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I cannot, 
help them. I don't know what it means. I cannot help a girl with eating disorders. I don't know what it means not to want to eat. I always want to eat. No, but I'm talking to you seriously. I never had a time in my life, right? A fast day to me is like, huh? I'm like, every, every 10 minutes I'm looking at it. What's the earliest time you could eat? I never went through it. So, so I could talk about a lot of other things, but I can't get up and say, been there, done that, I understand that, I don't understand that, I will never understand it. But someone who does understand it has to be the one that gives the refuah. And that's what happened in the last week's parasha. I'm talking about the ranch a little bit. So I was there yesterday. I was there yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, I was there yesterday because I came, I came home right. So I just want to tell you. Tuesday morning on the way up to the ranch, it takes about two hours and 15 minutes to get there. I got a phone call for someone that works, with, works for me, with me, with the girls. And she went to visit a girl that's in a rehab. And she told me, this is my phone call on the way up to the ranch. And she says, Rabbi Wallace, I want you to know, I got there. It's gorgeous. The building, the, the, the rehab, she said, it's a mansion on the ocean. Right? Because they like to do that. She said, and I walked in, and I, the girl that we're working with was there. And she's showing me around the whole place. And I met all the therapists. She's Rabbi Wallstein, you never, these people are sweet. They're nice. They're caring. And, and I was having, I was like so, I was so enthralled with what I was watching because like finally it was a place for our girls that really care. It's gorgeous. The bed, she said, the mattresses, the beds, the covers, like 50, I mean, the insurance pays for it, whatever. It's like, it's like a hotel in, in, in California. It's like, gorgeous place. She said, and then my, she went into a group, whatever the girl went to a group, and she, this woman who works for me went into the kitchen. And she's talking to the chef, the, the woman who cooks, because all these places have a, chef, a special chef. And she said, Reverend Wallace, you don't understand. She's standing there. She's got a big, huge chicken. And she's buttering it. And I'm watching her butter the chicken. Totally encased in butter. And then she takes pork rinds, chazer rinds, and sprinkles it on the chicken, because that's how they bake it, whatever it is. And she's like, Rabbi Wallstein, I, I had to vomit. I, I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, this place is so beautiful. The therapists are so nice. But our girl, for supper, is having chicken basted in butter with chazer. She said, I had to leave. I, I could not, God forbid, watch our girl sit and eat that tray for garbage. And she's telling me this as I'm driving up to the ranch. So it's like Hashem saying, like, Zachai, I got your back. Because this is what you did. You know, sometimes the ranch is costing us way beyond anything we thought it would cost us. It's cost about $85,000 a month. So it's like a million dollars. We never thought it would cost us that. Horses eat a lot. They really eat a lot. You know, actually, that's all they do. Besides when you ride that, that's all they do all day long. That's all they do is eat. Hey, this, that. They have to change their shavings. Wow, it's like more expensive than your kids. But anyway, so I, I'm driving up, and I'm, and I'm listening to this, and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, and she's like, I, I, I left that place, I, I got on the plane, 
I was I was sick a whole night. Just just think watching it because she watched him prepare the food. So she's thinking the girl while she's you know eating it's in her head. Well, I'm driving up. We get to the ranch, and one of the girls in the ranch there's a bunch of girls there now. Comes over to me. She says, "Rabbi, can I talk to you for a minute?" I'm like, "Sure." What's going on? She goes, "I'm a little bit upset." I'm like, "The therapy, the horse is like, what's going on?" She goes. You know, on the Shabbos table, I would, I would really rather that there was some more Torah said. I'm like, yeah! Like, that's far away from that other place. I'm like, okay, I was like, okay, we're going we're gonna to work on that because we have a couple that's there. And she goes, there's one other thing. Um, the broccoli, is it Bodeck broccoli, the frozen one? I'm like, I'm going to check. And do you wash the grapes? I'm like, no, we, we, you know, I don't do that at home. We wash the blueberries. And she's got all these shyness about, you know, what's going on with the food with this and that. Okay, so I get to the, instead of going straight to the therapist, I go straight to the kitchen. I want to see it. I know what it's supposed to be, whatever it is. I open the one side of the refrigerator. Everything, everything is called Yisrael, Yisrael milk, Yisrael yogurt, totally, because we are totally from, and the lady who cooks is totally from. And I'm just, Looking at this refrigerator, I left it open. I'm like, oh my God, you got to help me because where my other girl is, they're, they're basting chicken with butter and putting chazer on it. Look at this. God, look at this fridge. The only fridge in the whole world on a place like this that is called Yisrael. No other place in the world. And then I opened the freezer. I was a little nervous. Bode cauliflower, bode whatever, whatever, bode... Everything's bodeg, everything's sotmer meat, sotmer chicken. I was like, I had both sides, it's a big refrigerator. I had them both open. I'm like, God, check this out. I closed both refrigerators, and then I went through the house, and I kissed every mezuzah. Because there's no rehab in the whole world that has mezuzahs on their doors. It was a dream. And Baruch Hashem, the dream came true. And the reason I'm telling you this is, if you want to do the right thing, and it's only the only reason that you're doing it, it's not for money, it's not for politics, it's not for kavod, it's to help Hashem's children, and that's what you really want to do, then God will help you in a huge, huge way. Why am I telling you this? If you're going through stuff, like this girl in the hospital is going through. If you go deep inside yourself, and you're like, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I need you to help me. Whether it's a shidduch or a, whatever, you, whatever you're going through. The reason I need you to help me is not because I'm in pain. The reason I need you to help me is because that if you help me, then I can help others. I, am, I want to use my stuff to help others, then you will have crazy siyat and shmaya to get out of whatever struggle you're in. If you want to get out of the struggle because it hurts, or because I can't deal with it, I'm anxious, I have anxiety, I have depression, and that's why I want to get out of it, and I want to get... Hashem should help you, and you should listen to your tefillah. But if you want to be guaranteed that you're going to get out of your stuff, then you have to say the reason, not say, you have to mean it, the reason I want to get better at Kodesh Baruch Hu is because I get better 
I could talk to that girl that Rabbi Wallstein can't talk to. I could talk to that girl that Rabbi Chaim Kainetsky can't talk to. Moshe Rabbeinu can't talk to. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't go through food. Food wasn't his problem. He had no problem with food. He said, I can't talk about it. So if I'm going through something, whether it's depression, anxiety, whatever it is, I need to get out of my anxiety and depression. You know why, Hashem? It sounds crazy, right? Why? Because if I get out of this, I will be able to help. I will help. Not I will be able to. I will help children that are in depression and anxiety. You're doing it L'Shem Shemayim. You're doing it 100% L'Shem Shemayim. Your ranch will show up. It will show up if that's the reason you're doing it. In God's name, Shemayim, and we, we learn a lesson here that is so unbelievable that Moshe Rabbeinu said, this is not for me. So there's two reasons he said it. One is, Kofi Tov, I don't deal with. And number two, I don't have this Yetzirah. There's also very interesting, we'll close, we'll close it just two short Torahs. One of them is totally mind-blowing. So I always talk about spiritual DNA. That what we do gives spiritual DNA to our children. The question in this week's Pasha, in Pasha Shlach, is that we know that Moshe Rabbeinu gave a special bracha to his Talmud, Yehoshua. His name was Hoshea bin Nun, and Moshe Rabbeinu gave him a Yud and changed it into Yehoshua ben Nun. So, Rashi says that. Why? Because he didn't want the, him to be part of the rest of the spies. So there's a very big question on that. So if you knew he gave Yoshua a bracha, he didn't want him to be with the rest of the spies, says Rashi, that means you knew the spies were going to come back and say bad. So why you send them? If you're giving him a special bracha, and you need to get a special bracha so you don't end up talking like the spies, so that means you knew, Moshe Beno, that the spies were going to come back talking Lashon You gave him a special bracha. But if you knew they were going to speak why you send them? Why did you send them in the first place? You didn't want them to say Lashon So there's many different answers. One of the answers is that he davened for all of them. That they should come back, that, that they shouldn't come back with Lashon But why Yeshua ben Nun? I told it to the girls today in seminary. So there's two reasons brought down. Why specifically Yeshua ben Nun? One, that Moshe Rabbein, that, that Yeshua was Moshe Rabbeinu's Talmud, his student. And what the student does is a representation of what the teacher taught him. So if Yehoshua would have been one of the Meraglim and would have come back and talked bad about Eretz Yisrael, the Klaiosel would have said it must be that Moshe Rabbeinu taught him bad about Eretz Yisrael. So the student represents the Rebbe. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, you, being that of all these Meraglim, you're my only student, you need a special bracha. Because if you mess up, then you're representing the Rebbe messed up. That's one answer. But the DNA answer is amazing. What Shevet did Hoshea, did Yehoshua come from? He came from Ephraim. Who did Ephraim come from? Yosef. Moshe Rabbeinu said, Yosef spoke Lashon Hara on his brothers to his father. So it's in Yosef's DNA to speak Lashon Hara. And being that many generations later, Yehoshua came from Yosef, so it's in his DNA from his great-grandfather, Yosef, to talk Lashon Hara. So he needs a special bracha not to talk Lashon Hara. So imagine, if Yehoshua, who was the leader of Klai Yisrael after Moshe Rabbeinu, on that level, came from Yosef, 
the DNA of Yosef talking Russian horror scared Moshe Rabbeinu that after all those generations, maybe Yosef's going to talk Russian horror also. Maybe Yoshua's going to talk Russian horror also. So we gave him a special brach. The second point, which is a very important point, it's from a Yalkut. The Yalkut says the following. This you can repeat at the table. Nobody ever heard this. It talks a lot about this in Pasha Shlach about the giants. They came to the land and they said, we saw Anakim, we saw giants. We'll never be able to overcome them. Giants, giants, giants. When they went in, they looked at giants. When they came out, they talked about giants. They're talking about giants all the time. What are you worried about giants for? What are you worried about giants? Hashem took down Mitzrayim, the biggest army in the world. A couple of giants. Oh, a bunch of... What? What are you so worried about? Why do you keep talking about the giants? It's not what they were talking about. They were saying the following. They were scared. Because when you... Everything is... When you're Nogei Abedava. A person gets twisted when they have something to lose. They were the Nesim. They were the head of each tribe when they were outside of Israel. Once they went into Israel, there's one Melech, there's no more Nesim. So they knew that the minute they go to Israel, these 12, these spies knew the minute they go to Israel, they're going to lose their job. So they were very negative, but they didn't want to lose their job. So they came up with a from, 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 from reason not to go into Israel. What was their from, from reason? He said, listen, until now, we're in, the, we're in the desert. We don't have to work, right? We have the mud. We don't have to dig uh, irrigation ditches. We have the, the well. If, you, if your clothing gets dirty, you stick it into the cloud, you take it out. We could sit and learn all day and all night. No building houses, no building roads, no planting, no cooking. Everything's done. We could stink. If we stay out of Eretz Yisrael, we could sit and learn all day. If we go into Israel, you're going to stop planting and building, building roads. What are you going to learn? Where did that come from? Because they don't want to lose their jobs. But they found a firm reason, right? The road to Gehenna is paved with good intentions. So they found a good reason to tell Klai Yisrael that, hey, if we stay out, you know, stay out of Israel, because we can sit and learn, we can... What was their proof? What was their proof? They said, if you, go into, if you go into Israel and you have to start working and you have to start planting and building and rows and infrastructure and you have to do all this, you know what's going to happen? You're all going to go off to Derech. You have to sit in Kailo. If you're not going to sit in Kailo, you're all going to go off to Derech. So, and we can prove it to you. What's your proof? The giants. The giants was the proof. You know how the giants came into the world? How do we have giants in the world? At the end of Pasha Barashas, there were these two angels that said to God, look, all the human beings, look how they're sinning with each other. Terrible immorality. God, destroy the world. God said to the two angels, oh, you think you'd be better? If you were in that world, you think you'd be better? And they said, yes! We would be Tadikim. Hashem said, really? He took the two of them, and he threw them down into this world. They're called the Nephilim. Nephilim means to fall. Those two guys ended up doing more averis and more immorality with the daughters of Adam than anyone else in this world. And they got the daughters of Adam pregnant. And the daughters of Adam gave birth, but because they were malachim that became humans, 
the children that came from those malachim ended up becoming giants. So listen to this, amazing. It's the Yalkut. So the Yalkut says, they came to the Jews and they said, listen, what do you want to do? You want to leave where we are now and you want to go into Israel? You want to, you want to, you want to go out of the spiritual realm into the physical realm? I'll prove to you that in the end, we're all going to become Rishayim. How? Look at the giants. When the giants were in Shemayim, in the spiritual realm, they were Malachim. But once you threw them into this world, into the physical realm, they became the biggest Rishayim and the product of these giants. These giants prove that spiritual beings put in a physical place will end up being worse than anything else in the world. We're right now in a spiritual place. Don't go into a physical place. We're going to end up like the giants. And that's why they kept talking about the giants. What was the mistake? The mistake was that it's just the opposite. The reason that we're in this world is to take the spiritual world and take the physical world and make it one world. That's why Catholics, can't get, they don't get married. Their priests don't get married. Priests don't get married. Nuns don't get married. We're just the opposite. Rabbis get married. Rebbitsons get married. Hasn't become Rebbitsons. Because we're, we're, we're taking our Kedusha, the physical, and we're melding it. We're putting it together with the physical, with the spiritual. And that's like, you take an apple, which is physical, and you make a bracha. You go to the bathroom, you make ashayotza. The whole Yiddish guide is based on mixing physical and spiritual together. So the Muraglim, who was saying you have to keep it separate, were totally wrong. Why did they say it? Because in the back of their minds is if we go to Israel, we lose our jobs. I once took, I said this last night, I was a little worried that I would get a lot of reaction, but I didn't. But it's a true story. There was a girl that I was dealing with who wanted to become a boy. She joined this whole group online, whatever it is, she wanted to become a boy. She told me that she's been very, her whole life, she's been in a, a girl's body. She definitely has a boy's neshama, like she knew, right? I have a boy's neshama, and I'm just uncomfortable, and I'm always trying to get out of my body. And I decided, she went on this, this happened on the internet, and they pay for the operations, and they pay for all the hormones, the lowest of the low. So, I said, listen, I'm not judging you. I, I never wanted to become a girl, so I don't understand what it means that you're not happy with what you are and who you are. I'm not judging you, but I don't believe that the Torah, you know, you're not allowed to maim yourself. And, and I, I don't, you know, you know what? Let's go to my Rebbe, Rabbi Gamliel, which is just pretty, you know, to go to Rabbi Gamliel with such a situation. I was sure that Rabbi Gamliel was going to say, listen, yes, it could be that you know, Shem is a boy, but this is what Hashem did and you have to live with it. And it's a Tikkun and a Gilgul. That's what I was expecting. I would have, I would have never taken her if I thought that he was her, he, she, he, she, but I would have never taken her if I thought that Gamliel would hammer her. Because I, you know, I'm not like that. I'm like, okay, you have to understand, you know, you can't change your life. You can't do this. It's wrong. You're not allowed to do this. But, you know, there's reasons. And She sits down, actually stands up, we're standing there in front of Gamliel. And she says to Gamliel, and I've writ, I've been suffering my whole life in this girl's body. I know I'm not a girl inside my neshama. I, 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 want, I, I started taking hormones and I'm, I'm becoming a boy. And, and do I wear tefillin? She asked him, do I wear tefillin? If I become a boy, whatever it is. The David Feinstein passed him, the way you're born, that's who you are. You can change everything you want. If you're born a girl, you're a girl, you can't put on tefillin. Whatever. He passed him, Allah, Allah. But anyway, 
Rabbi Gamaliel looks at her and he says, You're a Baltaiva. I'm like, What? You're a Baltaiva. That's all you are. Don't tell me anything about boys in the shamas and girls in the shamas. You're a Baltaiva. And she turns like, Why? Because I brought it to my Rebbe, right? You can ask him it. That's what he said. He said, You want to become a boy so you can be with girls. You're a Baltaiva. Get out of my house. Oh my God, I walked out, I was shaking. She let me, you, me, you know, that whole scene like, she went crazy, went crazy on me. I'm like, wow, I did not expect that. I would have never, wow, what is my Rebbe saying? Last week's Pasha, everybody. Last week's Pasha says that they had a taiva, they had a taiva for food, for meat, and they went to Kleisrael and they got them to have a taiva. And first came the taiva. First came the lust for the meat. Then came all the questions. Why did you get a Mitzrayim? We had fish for free. We had watermelon. They didn't come out like, we had watermelon, all that, right? No. All the complaints came after. The Pusik says, and that's where Rabbi Gamil got it from. The Pusik says very clearly, that they gathered together his aswas. If you want to look at a Pusik Dalit, Ashebe Kirbo, they got together, one of these groups got together, his Abu Taiva, and they had a lust for something. And then by Yeshua, Yibchu, they all talked about it, and then the Jews start to cry, and start to go crazy, and start asking questions. Who's going to give us meat? Who's going to feed us? Taiva comes first. And everyone needs to know. Because I deal with this every single day. I'm an atheist. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God. How do you know there's a God? And I look at these kids and I'm like, you don't even know how to spell atheist, number one. Most of them don't. I'm saying, what came first? What you want to do wrong or your question? Because if you really had a question, you would go and sit and learn for the next 10 years. And I told the guy, I said, you really want to answer? How do you know there's a God? I'm like, I'm going to send you to Eretz Yisrael. You're going to sit in Yeshiva for 10 years. You're going to learn Derech Hashem. You're going to learn all the Rambam. You're going to learn all the proofs. You're going to learn all the Torah. You're going to sit in Kailal. You're going to learn for 10 years. Then come back to me after 10 years and say, Rabbi, I learned for 10 years. I disproved everything. Okay, now I want to hear that. But if you're not willing to go learn, if you're not willing to get the answers, so you don't have a question, you want to be with a girl. You, you want to eat something? It's not kosher. I don't know what you want to do. You want to do something wrong. This is, this is what Rabbi Gamaliel was saying to her. It was like, it's not, it's not the, I can't live in my body first. It's no, you want to be with girls. That came first. And then you have to figure out, well, how am I going to answer that? How am I going to answer that to myself? Oh, I have a boys to show me. I have a Gilgal. But that's what he was saying. And this, it's, not, it's not from him or me or anyone else. It's a Pusik in the Torah. That the Taiva came first. And only after the Taiva comes all the questions. They're not... Really, questions. This week, I got a phone call. Could you please talk to my brother? He went off the derech. He doesn't keep Shabbos. He doesn't keep kosher. He doesn't believe in God whatsoever. You know why, Rabbi Wallenstein? He has so many good questions. Girl told me, would you speak to him? I said, no problem. I love these guys. Bring him in. He said, okay, I'll call you back. Called me back 15 minutes later. He, I can't believe it. He agreed to speak to you. But on one condition. 
that after you answer his question, he has a right to rebut you. Whatever you're going to answer, he has a right to argue with you. I'm like, we're not going to meet. She goes, why not? Why not? I'm like, because he doesn't want an answer. Because if he has a question, how does he know that I'm not going to give him an answer that he won't have to rebut? You really have a question, right? I have a question to ask you, Rabbi. And you really want an answer. Maybe Rabbi Wallenstein has the answer. So Rabbi Wallenstein has the answer. You're going to say like, wow, thank you. It was a great answer. He's already telling me before my answer, I have to have a right that no matter what you say, I have the right to argue with you. So you don't want an answer. You just want to argue with me. If he would have said, great, I want to talk to Rabbi Wallstein. I, I, I'm looking for an answer. I, I wish I could find it. I want to have God. I want to love God. Oh, I hope I I'm so excited. I hope Rabbi Wallstein give me the answer. Beautiful. And then if he doesn't like my answer, we can talk about it. But if you're telling me before you ask me the question, by the way, no matter what you're going to answer, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to have a question. You better let me ask the question. You're not interested in an answer. You're not interested in an answer. You, you just want to argue with me because whatever you're doing wrong, you can't have Hashem in that picture. That's last week's Pasha. That's last week's Pasha very, very, very clearly. We give everyone a bracha that you should take whatever you're going through and you should take it and, 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 and accomplish it, defeat it, be successful, be victorious. L'shem Shemayim. I'm going to do this because I'm going to use it to help your children, Hashem. And if you do that, I don't give out haftachas. I'm not a rebbe, but I'll give you a haftacha. That if you, if you want to open a ranch one day for kids and you don't want them to eat chicken that has butter and chazer on it, and you only want to do that because they're Hashem's children, you'll have a ranch. And if you want to get better from whatever you're struggling with, because you only want to get better to help Hashem's children, you're guaranteed to get better. When we will be zaycher to see Eretz Yisrael the way that it's supposed to be this week's Pashlach with the Maraglim, and we should talk to see Mashiach, we here be Amen, Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.